Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. Hard to believe that we are at episode number eight of the series, and it is great to have all of you all along with us. And starting this week, we will actually have some bonus episodes that we will be presenting on mostly holiday weekends, where you can hear some extra content that is made just for you. That'll be coming up this Friday with Mistress Shari. It's a fun show. We hope you'll join us. But on to this week's episode, where we examine the wonderful world of a human who helps others while living an extraordinary life of their own. Andy is a queer, non-monogamous kinkster who loves learning, thinking, and talking about all things related to psychology, human connections, and sex. Andy is a lover of life with their eyes wide open, always looking to learn and explore more depth and breadth. An active member of many communities, Andy is a practicing tantrika, yogini, heavy player in BDSM, including lifestyle DS play, and aspiring sexological body worker. Andy also enjoys spending time helping others feel empowered in their own exploration of all these expansive activities through working as a founder and somatic therapist at Therapy, a mental health provider in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And now, an amazing hour with Andy. It's the first five. Andy, we start with the first five. 
five okay. questions about first. Okay. What makes a good first impression with you? Oh, smiling. I really, um, I really value, and this is a very tantric way of looking at the world from my perspective, but I really value finding the bliss in literally every single moment. And so even just that, that first high being a genuine enthusiasm is, is huge for me. First time you realized you were a little different. <laughs> well, um, it was probably within the first year or so of dating, um, who is now my nesting partner. And he asked for a meat cleaver for Christmas. I got it for him. And when he unwrapped it, we jokingly had him spank me with it. <laughs> and we both kind of looked at each other. And we were like, wait a minute. That's not what normal people would do with that. <laughs> First time you ever felt pain that felt good. Oh gosh, this is going to be weird. But I think when I, like, I remember being a little kid and having loose teeth and having like a, well, that's fascinating kind of a glee at it in a weird mm -hmm. way. First time you ever received a dick pic and your reaction to it. The first time I ever received a dick pic was on FetLife and it was actually not it was someone's profile picture and they sent me a friend request and I have very explicitly have on my Fet profile to not friend me unless you send me a message first um, and I didn't get a message I just got the friend request um, and I so I pulled up the friend request and was like ah it's not what I was expecting mm. um, and that was very my reaction was ah and then decline the request first time you ever felt a need to block someone mm, when I got a second friend request from that same person the next week <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get a hint yeah two people getting to know each other just like we did in high school here is seven minutes in heaven and this is a very special show and I haven't mentioned it yet because you and I are friends Mm -hmm. And we have actually played together and you have been a wonderful part of my life, especially from that scene. So I get to know you a little bit already, but I want our audience to know about you. Great. What are the things that make you happiest? Animals, for one. I, I absolutely love animals. I actually just got back from a couple of days hiking and walking in and seeing my cats was was lovely and I'm gonna go pick my dogs up after this I absolutely love animals I am fascinated I'm, I'm very much so sapiosexual and I am absolutely fascinated by how our brains work and talking with people about our bodies and our brains and sex and all of these things so anything that can get me thinking and curious and interested and then stuff that just doesn't seem like it should make anybody happy. I really love finding the bliss in those pieces in, in not just the silver lining, but kind of the opposite where like, what's the core kernel of it? That's actually bliss. Where is that? You are a therapist. What drew you to therapy? Oh, I, 
sort of accidentally stumbled into it, which is not what you want to hear therapists say, I'm sure. But I had started undergrad as a double major in French and Spanish, and then quickly realized that something along the lines of Google Translate um, didn't exist yet, but I realized that it would soon. Um, and that I needed a job that was not translating <laughs> documents and kept taking my core required courses, stumbled into Psych 101, fell absolutely in love, added a double major of peace and conflict studies and realized that um, people kind of suck at talking to each other. And added that in with, I really am curious and interested in, about sex. People really suck at talking about sex and consent and all of those things and decided that um, I'd give grad school a shot and try and be a sex therapist. And here I am. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. What is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki. And I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem, there is a solution, and I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. This is what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. It's kinky done differently. What is the most common thing people come to you with as a mm. symptom that they want to work on, but you find that is actually something that's wonderful about them? Oh, they're kinks. 100%. I advertise and market very specifically as serving the LGBTQ, kinky, queer, non-monogamous, you know, um, sex workers, like the, that population. And so often I hear people come in and say, I'm just a little anxious about blah, 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 but I'm totally normal. And then we get into our work together two, three, four, five, six months later, meeting weekly. And they'll say, actually, I do have this kink. And, I don't know, and they get really <laughs> worried that I'm going to judge or that I'm going to push them away or anything like that. And I say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me all these other pieces of what you've told me make so much more sense now. And it's really, I'm honored to be able to normalize that for people and to be able to really jump in and say like, okay, so you're anxious about sharing this with your partner. Let's talk about how to do that. How do we help that to feel comfortable? I can attest to the fact that you have an amazing way of getting into people's minds and understanding that. Mm -hmm. 
my experience was through an amazing scene that I've written about in my blog. And my blog is actually on our link tree. So you can go back and read it. It's called Rise of the Phoenix. What was it about my personality or me as a person that made you go, this is an interesting challenge to look in because at the time I was a totally different person, I think, than I am now. I would say that part of, I don't know if I would use the word gift, but that's the word that's coming to mind right now. But part of the way that my brain works is just that I find anybody fascinating. Mm. Really, literally, I have not met a person in my life that I find to be undeserving of relentless curiosity. And so what I found, what really drew me into that scene with you was that I didn't know you. And I was like, here's this person that I don't know that's being vulnerable enough to ask for this scene and has seen me play. <laughs> I play very mm -hmm. heavily for those of you who don't know me, is asking to play and is really kind of putting it all out there. You, you knew that I knew your blog. You knew that I had um, a lot of information on you. You didn't have much information on me other than seeing my play and seeing that I'm relatively safe and conscious of, of you know, careful and all that. And I had this question of like, can I really get in someone's head if I don't really know them? What can I do in a one week period of time? What questions, you know, I only have a certain number of questions that I'm really going to be able to ask. What can I do? And, and I think the piece that I didn't know until we actually walked into the room and started the scene was Am I going to fuck with you in a way that makes you wish you never would have asked <laughs> in like almost an edge play, like mental, emotional torture way? Or am I going to do something that's actually pulling a lot of effort from the therapy bag and, and do something that's much more on the end of, well, I hope you have a good scene at some point again in your life, because this might be a tricky one to top. <laughs> Not to be egotistical at all, but, but no, in it's, the, true, though. Like, it's true though. It's true. Yeah, of it being the the therapist mind coming into the kink scene and saying, like, I see you. <laughs> the interesting part about that is later that night, mm -hmm. I saw you bottoming, I guess that would be the proper term, for yeah. a gentleman who has been in the scene for many, many years. <laughs> And we are talking about somebody who's just a badass. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no two ways about it. He has never met a woman he could not dominate. Mm -hmm. Until that night, what was it about the challenge of a man coming at you with floggers, crops, and even a whip that made you look and say, I got you. You may think you're in control, but I got you because I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I would say, um, so that was actually the first time I had ever experienced a single tail whip. And that was something that he and I negotiated before the scene. And we're very very careful about how we negotiated what was what warm-up was going to be like and all that but the thing that looking back we didn't negotiate was was he trying to get me to submit or not 
what was his end goal? Um, I knew my end goal was to experience what being whipped was like. That's why I approached him. That's why I asked to play. Um, but he never made any mention of submission um, and, and nor did I. Um, and as soon as we got into the scene, I could sort of feel that that's what he was going for was, and that's what he was accustomed to mm -hmm. was people bottoming for him and it eventually becoming this um, sort of, oh, look, I've got you now sort of a thing. And, and pe or people begging for mercy or people, whatever. Um, and now that I'm talking about it, I remember that the previous time I had been at that club, he had, he and I had a conversation and he had mentioned how it was hard to find people that played as heavily as he liked to, um, because he had watched me bottom for someone else. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, he wants to play heavy. Let's do it. Go big or go home. Um, and the more he seemed determined to get me to submit, the more I was like, no, you're nope. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I agreed to. So I'm just not going to, um, I will also say that I have, a a specific mm, edge play quality. And, and again, safety always first in my mind, but edge play in terms of edge of sanity, for those of you who don't know that term. Um, but I have that quality of edge play that is, um, I've, I've never been pushed to submit when that wasn't what I signed up for. I have whatever sort of mental fortitude that I just no, that's not what's going to happen. Um, and when I submit, it is very much so from an emotional place and not from a physical pain place. Well, they're knocking on the door telling us our seven minutes are up. So I'll open up the door and we will <laughs> find out other things. Sounds great. We have the opportunity to meet each other in a very interesting way because we were both at the same club. I happened to be friends with a dom who, when she saw you walk in, was like, I have to play with this person. <laughs> you exuded an energy that when you walked by somebody, it was like, whoa, who is that? And so I'll call her Annie. Annie came to you and asked if she could play. Mm -hmm. You were there with a gentleman that night. Mm -hmm. And the two of them co-topped you. Mm -hmm. What was it about the way that Annie approached you that made you go, oh, yeah, I want to do this? Mm. Because it could have gone the other way really easily. But what was it about that where you opened yourself up to playing with a total stranger? Yeah, I, I think I'll speak to a lot of those pieces, if that's all right, that I, I don't know what it is exactly about me, <laughs> to be quite frank. And I get that sort of uh, feedback a lot from people, that quality of, oh, wow, hi. Um, I think to be real blunt, it is that I am present. I'm in the moment. I'm here. 
I'm not thinking about the past or the future. Uh, obviously, like, okay, yeah, I have a retirement account and I have like, I can tell you my credentials as a therapist if you need to know that garbage. But, but really, I'm right here, right now, in this moment. And that's really rare, in my opinion, especially in our society. And so I think people, even in some sort of subconscious way, they recognize that. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, the piece about Annie and anybody really when I when I do go out and play is one I really value direct communication and so if somebody is gonna have the courage to walk up to me and say hey I want to play with you I will say let's negotiate let's talk about it I'm not gonna say no right off the bat for really any reason because who the hell am I to know what they bring to the table um, I'm more likely to say yes after negotiation if I can watch a scene that they're in beforehand, just so I can see their safety in action. Um, or if we have a lot of really similar interests and we're on sort of the same page. Um, and to be quite like frank, also if I have more experience than them and I can keep kind of a um, an eye on the safety piece without having to worry about, um, you know, kind of if it's outside of my scope, then I'm going to be more careful about bottoming, right? Um, and that the scene we talked about earlier um, with the whips, I don't, I, I didn't know anything about whips. I'd never been whipped before. I've never learned anything about whips. And that's the only reason I let that gentleman taught me was because I knew his extensive experience in the scene and um, all that. So, so Annie coming up and directly asking. Um, and the other piece was that she was very open to Jeff, my partner, um, co-topping with her. And I wholeheartedly trust his safety. He and I have been pause play partners um, in in any sense of the word of partner for 15 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew that if nothing else, he would have my back. Um, that and I'd never been co-topped before. So <laughs> what the hell? Why not? <laughs> Let's jump in and try it out. So. I wrote about that as well on my blog. And uh, th I think that's one of the things that allowed us to really become friends mm -hmm. was that mm -hmm. you saw that I was present. Mm -hmm. I have a rough time being in the moment, not so much now, but back when you first met me, because mm -hmm. I was in such a high stress job that I was always looking about what was ahead and what was behind and couldn't just be there. Mm -hmm. And luckily things have changed and I've learned that. And you helped me do that. So I thank you for that. So Annie was a woman that approached you. What are some stories, both good and bad, of the way men have approached you that have mm -hmm. made you open to want to play or open to want to date? And give me a couple of examples of guys who came up to you and you went, not on your life. So I may not be the best sample for this. Um, I, aside from getting the feedback that I tend to be a, whoa, that, that's a person that's wow. That person is here. Um, the feedback I usually get is that I'm quite intimidating. So especially at a club, depending on how I present that day, my, my gender can kind of show up in different ways, but especially when I'm in that more masculine presence, I'm wearing something like assless chaps and heavy boots and probably no shirt, but some sort of like war paint type thing on my chest or whatever. Like, um, it, it exudes this sort of like, 
oh, I'm going to watch out. Um, and when I show up in a more femme way, I'm wearing, you know, tall heels, some sort of a corset, usually some sort of intense makeup. I have fairly long hair and it's going to be up in a way that's, that's relatively, I think, beautiful. But I am attentive to things like my posture and my stance and my poise and all of that in a way that people kind of get the idea, don't fuck with. Mm. That's very intentional, especially in a club Mm -hmm. um, that I don't want just anybody approaching me. And I'm going to make it a little bit intimidating in that way so that I don't get that kind of like leery kind of vibe from people. Gosh, I'm honestly trying to remember times that I've had in person um, that people have approached me in ways that are inappropriate. And I would say usually if I get that sort of vibe as they're walking up to me, when I turn and greet them, I can smile and I can sort of let myself put up a little bit of a filter and a lens and just be curious and say, hi, this is a human in front of me and I'm going to see what they're all about. And it may be that they're awkward or that they don't know what they're doing in talking to other people, but I can usually kind of find out that they're not trying to be creepy. They're not trying to be weird. They're just trying to do the best they can while they're scared or intimidated or nervous or whatever. Yeah. So I think especially in, in kink settings, I haven't actually really experienced that. I'm so incredibly thankful for it. When I think of the times I've seen you, mm-hmm. very much a female presence. Mm-hmm. During our scene, you had on a beautiful corset and a lace cat suit and some amazing boots. Uh, the first time I saw you, you had on a pair of almost faux le- leather leggings and you you just commanded your presence. You identify as, at least on your FET profile, gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what that term means to you and to an audience that may not understand totally what gender fluid might be. Great, yeah. I would say to me, gender fluid means that it's it's kind of usually when I wake up in the morning, but sometimes it can even fluctuate throughout the day, but um, that I don't identify as any sort of specific set gender. Um, I don't identify as female. I don't identify as male. And uh, I identify as the gender spectrum is a thing and I can fall on it wherever I fall on it. And that's allowed. And so some days I feel super feminine. Yesterday I wore makeup for the first time in probably like six months, maybe eight months. And I had on like a leggings and a little skirt and like was just really what we would call like that femme end of um, feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and other days I wake up and I'm not going to be, it's not like, it's not the same as like wearing PJs and just being kind of lazy that day with how I look. It's no, I want to wear loose jeans and a t-shirt. Um, and, and, you know, the days that I wish my hair was short instead of long, um, and just have that sort of more rough and tumble. I'm going to go outside and do some kind of heavy lifting kind of labor stuff. That's, that's much more in that, um, I think of it as like gross motor skills and gross mm-hmm. motor movement and that kind of like physical body mat, but we kind of stereotype as masculine work or energy. 
I know this is probably a bit beyond the, the gender question, but I really identify that as the tantric way of seeing things and that I can arise in any moment as exactly what, what I want or what is needed in that moment. And that includes any sort of gender, any sort of intensity, any sort of calm, any sort of wrath, any sort of presence that's needed in that moment. You say you wake up feeling one, t one way or the other. But if mm -hmm. you are going to, and you know you're going to be in a scene where somebody is expecting the feminine side of you, is it difficult if you woke up on the male side of the bed, so to speak? I would say so. Um, I think part of it is that I think there's an unconscious layer that if I know that I'm expected to show up in a particular way, or if I've agreed to, or if I've scheduled to show up in a particular way on that day, I don't tend to find much dis disjointedness in that because it's, I'm sort of, it's on the horizon. I'm kind of looking in that way. And I think my, my energy has sort of prepared for that. But there have certainly been times when there is more of that dis, disconcordance in that. And then I make a choice and I decide, does it feel authentic to show up in this femme way? If it does, okay, I do it. And I do whatever sort of meditation or any sort of, um, preparation in whatever way um, to do that or I just don't mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest part um, of how I am that is maybe a bit more bold than than a lot of people um, in that sense of okay so I'm expected to show up in this way too bad mm -hmm. that's not authentic right now that's not what I'm gonna do I want to be authentic all the time and genuine in that authenticity all the time. Um, that's where we find the most, I find anyway, the most bliss. And so if I can't authentically show up in this super femme way and I'm just going to be there and kind of annoyed and like smear my makeup because I'm not paying attention to that right now or whatever, <laughs> no, I'm just not going to do it. Do you think that there are some men, and I will put, I will say women as well, but I'm thinking so much of some of the messages that my friends get. Do you think that men have the ability to be authentic or are there some people that are so much of a character they can't ever present authentically when it comes to a sexual or dating way? Mm. I think cis men are given a really, really, really challenging role in our society. They're, they're sort of set up for failure in a lot of ways. Cis women are given this, um, you know, you're not called a good leader, you're called a bitch sort of a thing. And that cis men are not allowed to be gentle or soft or compassionate. They're supposed to be this like, oh, I, man, I can do the thing. I wear a suit. Oh. And I think that that makes it really tough to be honest with anyone, but including themselves, right? I heard a really great quote from, from someone I know through the tantric world that there's no such thing as vulnerability. It's the courage to be honest mm. with yourself and with the world. And I think that is what we don't teach people in general, um, but especially cis men that even 
even within friendships, right? Typically people who identify as female are, are these close, like very emotional friendships. We call each other, we talk to each other and we talk about our day, not just, hey, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, how are you? But like, no, seriously, what the fuck happened in your day? How are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, your friend, your child, your pet, your whatever is sick. How are you coping with that? How do I best support you here? And that cis men are often like, hey, want to watch the game? Cool. And then they sit and they watch the game, which is great. And it's bonding in its own way, but they don't walk away from that necessarily feeling any emotionally different. It numbed it out for a couple hours. It didn't actually Mm -hmm. do anything. So let me put this scenario into your mind and see if you can make sense of it, because sometimes I can't make sense of it. Women, especially those who have been approached in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. You could say the entire population of FetLife might fall into this. Or women on OkCupid or Plenty of Fish uh, or even Tinder. Reddit, where, I will also add. Hmm? I've, I've posted a lot of not safe for work stuff on Reddit. And I think okay. that is an area that there's a lot of... Whew, So women will come off as defensive. Mm -hmm. Is there any way for a man to be able to bridge that gap and be able to tell them, hey, look, I'm looking for connection here. I'm not looking to get in your pants. Mm -hmm. Because I guess there's always that thing back there. Oh, yeah. Well, eventually he's going to want to get in my pants. Sure. But is is there a way to bridge that? And if so, how? I believe there is. I think the one thing that I have... Anytime I've been on dating sites or FetLife or anything like that, I the question that comes up so often to me is, did you read my profile? Mm-hmm. Like I wrote it for a reason. And if you didn't read it, then why are you interested in me? Right. Even, even on, again, I have posted plenty of not safe for work stuff on Reddit and even there, I've had amazing connections with people when they're not just focused on, Hey, nice ass. <laughs> they're focused mm-hmm. on, Hey, I noticed that the caption you put on this thing is actually relevant in this other thing. Did you meet? Is that that a pun? Is that a this? Is that a that? Like, hey, you posted this political thing. I looked at your comments from, you know, a couple months ago. That's really great that you, right? Like any sort of recognition of me as a human who happens to have a body that they find attractive as opposed to, hey, your body's attractive. Maybe your brain would be kind of cool. I guess I'd like to get to know you in person. But yeah, show an interest in who I actually am, not just what I look like, mm-hmm. would be, I think, number one in my book anyway. Um, and then showing that you are a genuine person as well and that you have your own interests and hobbies. Your own life really, I think, is a big thing. I don't want someone to come be excited about every single hobby I have unless that's genuinely something that's interesting to them. And I also want to learn something from them too. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's teach each other things. Let's each be our entire own human while at the same time having a space to share our humanness with each other so yeah read the profile show that you read the profile if there's a genuine compliment in there about the physical appearance great but don't make it the first thing ask questions that's another i think that's 
another thing that I've often run into is people not asking questions and I'll ask a question and then they won't even ask the same question in reply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate having to hold the whole conversation myself. It's, it's a lot of work. In forming connections, obviously we have to be genuine. What are the red flags though that absolutely go up in your mind that a, a guy can try to come off as genuine, but maybe he's not? Not having one's own hobbies, I think is something that usually tips me off is if there isn't something like, if I say like, hey, what are your plans for the day, the week, the month, whatever, like this weekend, or what did you do last week or anything like that? And if it's a lot of, eh, you know, whatever, like, no, actually, I, I don't know. That's why That's why I'm mm-hmm. asking you. <laughs> What does your life look like? I'm not with you 24-7. I don't want to be with you 24-7, but I'm not with you 24-7. Like, what is your world? What does that mean? What does that look like? And if they don't have an answer to that, then it it just doesn't feel like there's any aliveness there or any sort of like, again, presence in the moment. And that, that comes across to me as kind of fake. And it's one thing to be excited about my hobbies. It's another thing to share in that excitement. Even if you have the same hobby, right? Like, oh, you, whatever, got this new fountain pen. Cool. That's great. I got this one this weekend or whatever. Um, And again, kind of having the conversation have two sides and building on it with, with me instead of it just being, well, that's cool. Or or some sort of kind of non-committal answer as a therapist i realize that you can't share specific things that happen in session Mm -hmm. in a general way what are the biggest problems that come to you when it comes to the relationships that men and women have Mm. (laughs) i think every couples therapist ever hopefully in some capacity would in in some way say it's not about the dishes it's not about who did which tour who doesn't do which tour it's about the communication so I I do a lot of that sort of more communication coaching than than therapy when I'm working with couples um with individuals I would say there's a lot of getting comfortable being present and being able to be in the moment with ourself. That's really hard. It's not something from my understanding that we're taught in our society is how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of that goes and, and shout out to Brene Brown. Um, but a lot of that goes to <laughs> the shame work that we're doing and, and how we talk to ourselves, that inner voice And we forget that we're allowed to be nice to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We forget that we're allowed to be nice to our inner child, even if our parent wasn't nice to our inner child or our our caregivers as kids. And so I sort of remind people that we're allowed to be nice to ourselves. What about the people who think that they need another to complete them? I, I would I would be great if I could just go out with this person or this person would make me a better person, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would typically ask, 
what about them would make you a better person? And if it felt right in the moment in that session, I would, or, or in subsequent sessions, I would be asking, what if you do that for yourself? What if that's how you show up for you? Because you can. You can do anything you want. You really can. I've, I wholeheartedly believe that. I mean, obviously there are a few, you know, literal physical challenges that people may have that they can't do anything. But as from an emotional standpoint, I mean, our brains are so amazing. We have what's called neuroplasticity, which means that your brain can rewire. We, an old dog can learn new tricks. We can change. Um, and sometimes it takes jumping off that scary, scary edge of our comfort zone to be able to do it, but we really can. Um, and the best way to do that is through play. Not, not necessarily kinky play, though. that's great too. But our brains rewire quickest when we're enjoying it, when we're having fun, when we're losing track of time because it's so playful and interesting. And so just letting it be joyful, letting it be playful and knowing that we're allowed to make mistakes and be who we want to be. Society in many areas think man, woman, as far as mm -hmm. relationships are concerned. You are very, very active and very, very supportive of LGBTQ, mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. What are the major differences in the problems that they have from the problems that your typical cis male and cis female might have? That's a great question. I think um, I have a, a need to own that as a queer person who is non-monogamous and is dating a variety of people who are of various genders and all that, that I'm biased. So I'll just throw that out there. But I would say a big part of it is that sense of, um, it really depends on the geography. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine living somewhere like the deep south and trying to walk around holding hands with someone if if I'm showing up as female and that other person is presenting as female, you know, trying to walk around and and literally just going to to the grocery store and sharing some affection could be a problem. Um so anything from that end all the way to things like um not having a script Gosh, I'm, I'm remembering the first time I ever dated someone who identified as female, and that was before I was um, identifying as gender fluid. And there's no script. Who who asks who out? Who's quote supposed to pay for dinner? Who's supposed to do the initiating? Who's supposed to lean in for the kiss first? Even those little things that we take for granted in what appear to be heterosexual relationships or what are heterosexual relationships there's no script. And it's in a lot of ways a blessing and a curse, right? So we we get a lot of confusion and awkwardness in those queer relationships, but then we also get the ability to write it to look however we want. As far as like major issues um, in regards to being more a couples therapy issue, I would say that a lot of that with I think a lot of it depends. I think a lot of it is actually really similar to what cis couples, cis heterosexual couples deal with. 
A lot of what I work with is folks who have differing libidos. And so mm. one person's sex drive is lower or higher than their partners and trying to do a lot of um, healing work around that and or kinks and a variety of, I like this kink and my partner doesn't, we're monogamous. How do I get my needs met without pushing their comfort zone? And that, that's a universal thing. I think, I think as I'm letting myself chew on this question more, I think it's, I think it's really not much and I may be very wrong and I'm sorry for all the couples out there who disagree with me, but I really think people of varying genders and sexual orientations are far more similar than we would like to believe or than stereotypes have led us to believe. We're all humans. <laughs> and that leads perfectly into what I was going to talk about next with the fact that this show is called What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Mm-hmm. The inspiration was talking about all the different messages that women get from men. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, every human gets interesting messages from somebody. Mm -hmm. What is it that humans should want out of life? You talked about presence. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that and build from there. What is it that humans should want from life? I don't know. I know what I want from life, but I can't speak for anybody else. Um, I would say presence is what I choose to strive for in as many moments as possible as a way to find the bliss in every moment. And I, I really genuinely mean that as a literal every moment thing. Right. And I've, I've also sort of used this in a lot of my anti-racist work um, to check my privilege. If I'm grumbling because I'm doing one of my least favorite things in the world, which is taxes. Um, and as a business owner, I have to do a lot of like financial kind of nitty gritty stuff. Gosh, I'm really checking my privilege that I know enough about that to have a successful business, that I know enough about that to be doing it correctly, and um, that when I don't, I have an amazing CPA that I can consult with, um, and to just be aware of how many layers upon layers upon layers of privilege that is, right, that I was raised in a fiscally responsible household, and that we had the money that my parents could teach me those sorts of skills, and that I still am having an income enough that I can do that, that I have the intelligence, not just the learned intelligence, but also the raw intelligence in my brain, um, that I'm relatively neurotypical and I can focus enough to actually do that work when I need to. Yeah, I think I think really being present, finding the bliss and all of that in an effort to be just focused on compassion anytime. Compassion and curiosity, but more so compassion when when approaching any other being. Are there a few things that a human should have in their toolkit when they are approaching someone? Oh, if everyone could know more about empathy, that would be amazing. And just seeing not just, I wish I could fix that for you, but wow, it must suck to be there. Or what would, what would it be like if I were in those shoes? I think about that a lot when I talk about consent and when I am, am obtaining consent or attempting to obtain consent from a potential partner or play partner or whomever. 
what would it be like if someone approached me in that way? And we're all biased, of course, toward our own preferences, right? Some people don't want to be asked if, may I please kiss you at the end of a date? They just want you to go in and get them timing just right. Um, and other people do want that genuine words, consent obtained um, to get that that kiss to happen at the right time. And it's hard to know. Um, I think the the big piece there is that of course, the super cliche, not the golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated, but that platinum rule of treat others how they want to be treated. And I genuinely feel like we underuse words in our society of, of what do you want right now? How can I best show up for you in this moment? That's a tough question to ask. It means we have to know our own boundaries, know when we can and and can't say yes to somebody else's request. It means we have to know ourselves well enough to make a clear, concise request of the other person who's asking us that. It's a lot of different skills. I'm gonna ask a strange question that I think is strange, but maybe not as strange as it seems to be in my mind. Sure. Many people have said, many therapists have said <laughs> that I have an androgynous mind hmm. because when I think of things, I go more big picture surroundings instead of the straight line that takes me to the solution, mm -hmm. which is how some people would say men think. Mm -hmm. Problem, solution, get me straight there. I need to, I don't need distractions. Mm -hmm. While many women will go problem, solution, but realize, oh, this can help me over here and this can help me over here. And as improvisers, we are taught that men go problem to solution. Women go problem. Oh, there's a beautiful tree over there. And this is a nice surrounding. And if, if I can get the calmness here, then I can move forward mm -hmm. and things like that. So here's where the strangeness to the question comes in. Sure. When you wake up in the morning, mm. thinking in a male feeling or a female feeling, does your way of thinking change with you? Hmm. I would say my gender fluidity shows up much more in how I physically present myself mm -hmm. as opposed to how my brain works. I would say that my brain, oh, here's, here's a whole nother layer. <laughs> um, but I would say my brain tends to show up in a much more uh, gentleness versus wrathful kind of thing each day. And that is not in any way correlated for me anyway with masculine versus feminine. Mm -hmm. um, it's much more of a, is uh, maybe in a less tantric wording, uh, like a more layperson wording would be introvert versus extrovert. Right? Am I am I needing that internal focus today, or am I needing that external focus today? Mm -hmm. My brain shifts in that a lot um, from day to day. But as far as gender, no, I don't feel like that changes how I conceptualize the world or or my questions or my presence in it. So I'll finish up by asking you this: What does Annie want as you look ahead in life? Oh, super cliche, but I really, I genuinely, genuinely try to live 
every day and as much as I can every moment with not taking the next one for granted. And so saying, um, it's, it's, I'm actually in the process of working with an attorney recently of writing a will. Um, and as an early 30s human, that's, that's not typically what you do, I think. I don't know. Usually wait until there's like a kid or something and then you're like, oh, I should do this responsible adult thing. Um, but I really contemplate mortality a lot and, and thinking about I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised Every time I get in a car, every time I get on a plane, every time I, you know, step out my front door, whatever it is that, that thinking about, um, why does everybody take life so seriously? No one gets out alive anyway. And I think about it that way of like, if I, whenever, however, I leave this life, if I had five more minutes, would there be anything that I want to change or fix? And if there is, why am I not doing it right now? If there's someone that I should apologize to, if there's someone that I should kiss or that I wish I would have sent that letter to or anything like that, why am I not doing it right now? Because I don't know if I have five more minutes or not. And so what do I want out of life to show the fuck up and live it? Enjoy it. I said this after we seen that I have never met anybody like you. I will say this at the end of this interview. I have never had an interview like you. I've had a lot of fun doing many, many shows, and I had a lot of fun doing this one. But I don't think I've ever had one where thoughts were so raw and real and genuine. And I thank you for that, for giving me an experience for the second time, unlike anything I've ever imagined. And I really appreciate your holding space for that. I think that's, that's another piece in all of this, um, showing up and being truly present and all that, that we don't necessarily realize is sometimes we cut that off from allowing other people to show up in that way if we don't have the space to hold in that way. So thank you for being there and for letting that happen. It's, it's a lot to show up for, so thank you. It's not often that I get emotional after an episode, but I will share with you that this one got to me. In the show notes, I will link to my writing called Rise of the Phoenix, which describes our amazing cathartic scene together. It was the most emotional scene in my journey, and it created a turn in my life that has allowed me to be open and genuine about being in the lifestyle. I owe a lot to Andy, and they will always hold a special place in my life. Later this week, premiering Friday, it's a special bonus episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, as we welcome professional nice dom, Mistress Shari whose energy is boundless and her experience is definitely worth sharing. We'll be doing quite a few of these special Friday release bonus shows, especially around the holidays. With so many great guests, I didn't want you to have to wait to hear them. Next week in our regular Tuesday premiere, we will kick off Diversity December with erotic author, educator, 
fetish lifestyle expert and the host of Casey at Night on YouTube and many other great shows. It's Casey Carter sharing her experience as a leader in the kink scene and her journey through a remarkable summer for many African-Americans. She will be followed the next week by transgender education icon, Lee Harrington. And later in Diversity December, we will tackle the issues of non-binary identification, disability, minorities in kink, and transitioning genders in a month filled with important voices. As always, we hope you liked the show. And if you did, please tell a friend. And if you will, please rate, review, and subscribe to our show. I know there's a lot of podcast choices out there, so we genuinely appreciate you joining us for this one. And as always, you can reach me directly at john at datingkinky.com. That's J-O-N at datingkinky.com. We'd love to hear your comments, your suggestions, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, tell us about yourself and we will get in contact with you to tell your story. My name is John, or to my friends, it's Hi There Catsuit. Thanking you for being with us and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.